suppose you've seen anything weird around here? Welcome, everybody, to episode 141 of the Metabilis 2 podcast, featuring myself, Ben. And David, and tonight is the Night of Terror. It is the Metabilis 2 <laughs> Night of Terror. <laughs> Otherwise known as Nick at Night. Nick at Night. Uh, that's a good one. So Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Indeed. He had a terrible, written by terrible night. A new writer, new writer, Nina Metlevier. Oh, yes. It is a new writer, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a new director, Nita Manzur. Uh, I think it did a pretty good job, but I guess we'll come on yeah. to that. Yeah. All in all. All in all, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, where do we want to start with Nikola Tesla's Light of Terror? Well, just in period costumes. It was really nice to see the fam dressed out in turn of the century, 20th century uh, historic costumes. I thought that worked really well and added a little uh, panache to the story. Yeah, and it was nice. Actually, I liked the fact that they were just in historic costume. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no kind of like, ooh, TARDIS wardrobe, um, right. blah, blah, blah. Right. Which, you know, which is like, I don't know. Um, it was dead. You're in the train mm-hmm. carriage and like, bam, you know, Ryan's dressed up like a Peaky Blinder. Um, <laughs> Graham's looking very, very sharp in his mm-hmm. in his three-piece suit. And, and Yaz um, is channeling Missy. And Yaz is looking very Mary Poppins. It's all <laughs> The only person who's not dressed up is the Doctor, which I thought was actually a little bit disappointing. I'm not surprised, though, because no, I I'm think not surprised. that's they're the to get way her. that they're going to have uh, Jodie Whittaker uh, dressed is going to be in uniform throughout. She's but it was nice to see the like fam that. blending in. and Yes. It was, yes. I think, a definitely a step up in costuming choice than what they did like in the Witchfinders or Rosa, Demon in the Punjabs. I think it was it was better... Better yeah. to have them blend in. Absolutely. Yeah, because otherwise, because, you know, we're in early 1900s New York. 1903, yeah. 1903. So, you know, again, we want to kind of avoid conversations about why you dress like that or mm-hmm. avoid the query that I would have. is like, why isn't someone saying to them, why you dress like that? So, right. You know, yeah. yeah. It's all good. Yeah, I think yeah. that worked really well. And they didn't have to dwell on that. No, no. And I think, you know, obviously New York was a pretty cosmopolitan town at that time mm-hmm. by all accounts. So, uh, of course, wasn't cosmopolitan is um, people were all dressed like they're from 1903. They right, may have right. had any any number of different colored mm-hmm. skins and different different kinds of accents, but they were all dressed like they were yeah, from then. So, so it all know, blended yeah. in really well, I thought. Yeah. And I thought in general, um, I mean, I don't know where it was shot, but I thought the, the you know, 1903 New York was really pretty convincing, actually. It must have been all CGI would be my guess. Yeah, I don't know. I thought the skeleton, the skeleton, what were they? The scorpion chase. There was seems to be quite a lot of like real stuff going on mm-hmm. there. Well, that was the set, obviously. But I mean, yeah. like when they were, when that scene after, after the train where, uh, the doctor is talking about the Gilded Age and right all that, and you know Ryan's going. I'd like to see Times Square, and Graham's going uh, the Empire State Building, and they're all guessing for things that don't exist yet. And yeah. Yaz goes, "How about Central Park?" And the doctor says, "Oh yeah, that's been there forever." And you can just see Yaz slightly off camera going, "Yes, <laughs> she got one <laughs> over over the Though, two other." I'll have to say uh, this is one really serious like problem that that came up for me about 30 seconds before that the mm-hmm. establishing plate for new york yeah there's the empire state building is right there like was it front mm. and center i took mm. a screenshot and if that isn't the empire state building i will um i will eat my <laughs> peaky blinder ryan hat that's the mm. empire state building okay. yep 
Oh yeah, I'll I can I'll 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 send you I'll send you a copy of it. <laughs> All right, well let's look at it right um, now. <laughs> I, actually, I will, I'll send you a copy of it right now. Here you go. Yeah, right. What's your name again? <laughs> and uh, attach thingy. <laughs> um, yeah, that would that kind of like hang on. And I actually went back two or three times, not two or three times, but um, hmm, okay. Anyway, so slight slight fail in attention to detail there. If we're going to talk about attention to detail, the thing that really bothered me was having the bumpers on what was supposed to be an American train car. Oh, because that's was... oh, okay. So that's good. That's you're a train guy. Give us the give mm-hmm, us the facts mm-hmm. about the train. So the scene where they were leaping between, uh, if you're in Britain, carriage to carriage, car to car. Right. And then when the doctor decoupled right. the, the, the car from the main part of the train, you right. could see as that car went away, uh-huh. you had the two little bumpers on the left right. and right side of the car. And that's a European, that's a British design. That's not... Oh. The U.S. doesn't do that with their train cars at all. They don't have they don't have bumpers. What what do they have? Mm-hmm. They have the couplers. They just have couplers. Mm-hmm. Just a knuckle coupler. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, so they don't have the buffers between the two cars, and then and then. And so how do they stop the cars from bumping into each other? The couplers. Uh, I don't. I. I, I <laughs> the I'm coupler technology your, your, and your, your knowledge. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, the coupler technology in the states is different than what they use in the UK. Oh. For for example, and yes, you're right. I got the email here, and that is the Empire State Building on the skyline. It really does look like it. It couldn't be really anything else. Um, I don't know. They could have just got someone to quickly, you know, just just Photoshop that out. Yes, if that's their kind of standard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming. I don't know. It's left over from um the Daleks in New York or something. Could I don't be. know. Um, yeah, it sure does look like the Empire State Building from the that's silhouette. The, that's the Empire State Building. And, and the funny thing, I actually looked at it saying to myself, oh, okay, well, maybe, hmm, I guess that's slightly later than 1903 then. Or yeah, something. it is. It wasn't maybe, in 1920s, wasn't it? Maybe. Yeah, well, it was exactly 1920s. You know, maybe it's a time-traveling train. Um, <laughs> and they've gone forward in time in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. I think you need to apply for a job pretty quickly to be the BBC's American train expert. <laughs> <laughs> I was just happy to see a train. I, this is the first. <laughs> this is the first time we've ever seen a moving train, and not an implied train like in Black Orchid that I can recall of in Doctor Who. Wow! Uh, an actual train, not some space train like Mummy on the Orient Express, but a real train. A, a real train, and it was CGI, of course. But I mean, apart it, apart it, from the, it was a real train. <laughs> Apart from the bumper error, was it like an accurate 1903 American train? As far as uh, you can well, tell, it's, mm, it didn't look like a train car to me when you're when uh, on that decoupling scene. Uh, right from from the the image of the the CGI image of that train going down the track at the beginning, which they transitioned when which was uh, when the doctor is saying this is makes the perfect getaway vehicle. Okay, that bit uh, it looked pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of uh, freight cars, uh, freight wagons, whatever you would say, goods wagons in the goods UK. Wagon, right. right. Uh, so it was a mixed, it was a mixed passenger freight, not really done in the U.S. So that oh, little detail was okay. kind of off to me. To me, it would have been all passenger, but right. uh, it, it's good enough. It was really nice to see an actual steam train in Doctor Who for a yeah. change. Yeah. Well, actually thinking about it, I'm now thinking to like, you know, American movies with trains. And you don't have those bumpery things, do you, usually? No, we don't. No, no. 
know, yeah, I'm trying to think of you know people jumping from carriage to carriage in I don't know the Wild Bunch or something. And mm-hmm. Hmm, mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I what really irritates me about when that happens in 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 movies is like, hey, there's no way that you'd be able to like decouple a train as it's moving, right? Because it would be under tension or something. Mm, yeah, I think that's pretty much a contrivance for television, films, movies. Yeah, I at least with modern freight car coupling. Uh, I don't know about for uh, westerns or uh, British Lincoln pin type right. coupling, but for modern American freight cars moving at speed, it would be pretty hard to uh, decouple them. Right, right. Yeah. I always think it's a bit unfortunate the people who are left behind, <laughs> like in the bit that they've de- I mean, hopefully it's just one carriage mm-hmm. with nobody in it apart from an alien. Right. Uh, but if there's a bunch of passengers back there, they'll be like well pissed off that like it's ah we're not getting to New York now and we're stuck with a we're stuck with a with a scorpion in disguise. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, anyway, it was probably the last car on the train. It would be my guess because that's, yes, if the I think so. Doctor and Tesla and uh, what was right. or Dorothy, Dorothy Skerritt. Yeah, yeah. Was she, was she a real person? No, I don't think so. I think she was invented by Medivere. Right, she wasn't. She wasn't like Tesla's girlfriend in real life. Sort no, of Tesla never married, and he really. Well, that was an interesting bit with the of Tesla. Generally, was pretty traditional and even very traditional for the time. Thinking a woman's place was ah. domestic. And oh, really? Perhaps earlier in his life, he would have been more receptive to uh, a woman inventor, but that that was. A little bit of uh, artistic license, I think, on uh, Metivier's uh, part of uh, interesting that not not really well. I, I think the writer cherry picked the nice things about Tesla and not so much <laughs> the uh, not so much the bad things about Tesla. But overall, I thought this was pretty well written, and there was a lot of uh, bits of dialogue that uh, I laughed at, and I thought were pretty pretty sparkling. Yeah, I mean it's a kids it's a kids show. We're not really mm-hmm. going to it's not a, like a biographical mini series no, about no. about Tesla. I mean mm-hmm. again, I mean it's I mean like this I the comments we were making about um Ada Lovelace, you know, if any kind of fantasy sci-fi uh, story happens to find itself in early 20th century mm-hmm. New York, Nikola Tesla's always going to be involved. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's not it's not really a surprise that he's he's in it. Um, and of course, it's not a surprise he's in it because it's actually called Nikola Tesla's <laughs> Night of Terror. So we already know he's there. So, but anyway, yeah. I mean, I and I thought the actor, the I think a genuine Eastern, uh, you know, Yugoslavian, whatever it is, former Goran uh, Republic, Viznik. yeah, we did an excellent job. Um, uh, I don't really know anything about Nikola Tesla. I don't know what he sounded like. Mm-hmm. I guess I know what he looks like because he looks like David Bowie in The Prestige. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. He's like a sallow-faced Eastern European guy with a mustache, mm-hmm. and I thought that was pretty convincing. And he seemed to be kind of a witty, a witty fellow. Uh, you know, I think it was um, it was a nice touch where he was able to describe the TARDIS as being dimensionally transcendental. Yes, um, I think it's the first time anyone's ever done that. That was a nice piece. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, good job, good job there. Yeah, that was a really that that scene in particular is a really nice bit of writing because Edison just previously says that yeah I couldn't figure it out either and then 
Tesla then explains what's going on and the doctor says spot on. So it, it does reinforce that whole uh, difference that was kind of going throughout the story between Edison's approach and Tesla's approach that uh, Tesla's the dreamer and uh, Edison's the businessman. He's really there to, uh, as he said, put products on people's uh, tables or shelves and in their hands. And I thought actually thought it was very fair. I mean, as much as I know anything about those two people, which is not a huge amount, mm-hmm. um, I was expecting a lot more kind of like Edison is evil, Tesla is good mm-hmm. thing going on. But actually, I thought I mean Edison had a huge amount to do, and you know, <laughs> um, and it, was, and he did it in character too. He did like it in with, character when he yeah. was trying to clear the streets, he riled up the fear mongering that uh, if if you don't stay inside, you're as good as fried. And I thought that was again a nice little bit of writing that Absolutely, really yeah. folk. Yeah. Focused well in with that, and he was sad when all his staff got, you know, yeah. got zapped by the aliens. And, and he knew the know. man in particular who had died, and had had. So yeah, I thought he was uh, not particularly sympathetic, but he wasn't no. a one-dimensional uh, human antagonist. No, and you know, and I thought it was a very good point to make. You know, that actually, you know, Edison's, as far as I know, but Edison's genius was like getting people together. And like selling their ideas rather than just having a bunch of ideas, which you never actually do because they're just ideas, which is what Tesla did as far as I can gather. Well, he had ideas, but he, like the doctor said, he didn't have really good business sense. And he he had made quite a bit of money, but from like 1900 on, he lived like in the Waldorf Astoria and ran up huge hotel bills. So he... I don't think he was really good with money. He lost control of his patents due to investors with the Tesla Electrical and Manufacturing Company. Uh, Westinghouse kind of screwed him out of royalties. So it's a whole whole side of Tesla, that uh, brilliant inventor, not so brilliant with the money side of things. Yeah, and it is actually really easy to have great ideas. The hard thing about having great ideas is actually making them real that's mm. the hard thing about having mm. a good idea mm-hmm. so you know and i think i thought they brought that out really well and i think it, you know it wasn't kind of finger wagging at kids because you know it's a it's still we're looking at a kid show here you know it wasn't <laughs> mm-hmm. finger wagging at kids and saying like go out and dream and dream your biggest dream mm-hmm. and you can be anything that you want blah 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 it's like well yeah you can do that but you also you also need to make sure that you can sell it to people. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there's no point in having a big dream. Look right. at Nikola Tesla, you know, and I guess they didn't fast forward to him dying penniless and alone. But that's what he did do. <laughs> yeah, he uh, I think the last six years of his life, he probably had a broken back, too, from being hit by a car. So, Oh, really? Oh, poor yeah. guy. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. Not confirmed, but uh, right. uh, he... Uh, he Westinghouse kind of paid him a royalty, uh, a retainer in his last years of life, mainly, I think, due to embarrassment out of having screwed him out of, or the company having screwed him out of uh, his patents. So they didn't right. want the bad press of uh, Tesla right. being a pauper. So he, he didn't die penniless, but he certainly didn't die the richest man of his age, which which could have happened i guess could have happened if he'd really put his mind to actually mm-hmm. kind of realizing these inventions or doing a, being a better salesman and you know getting people to give him money i guess as well right you know? yeah. right mm. it's a nice balance between the dreamer and the realist or the practical 
practical man in Edison. So I thought that was well played. And I thought uh, Robert uh, Glenister did a really good job with the American accent. Yeah, an excellent job. Playing Thomas Edison. And I liked liked that uh, Metivier touched upon the immigrant experience for Tesla where right. where the mob is outside his New York lab and saying, foreign loony, go back. You don't belong in America. And the mob's going, yeah, yeah. And he stands up right. uh, saying that he's a citizen and that they're trespassing in front of his property. So I like that he stood up for himself. I like that it wasn't the doctor. It was Tesla himself standing up. And I think that yep. worked really well. Yaz had a bit more to do than the other two uh, fam members uh, in, in this story, I think, just due to the coincidence of pairing her up with Tesla and then her getting zapped up to the Sikra uh, spaceship. And then right. she had that really nice line telling Tesla, you know, you may be a genius, but you don't have to work out everything yourself. And right, there's right. bits in there. If anyone had the short stick, it was pretty much Ryan, I think, <laughs> throughout the story. Yeah, yeah, he didn't really have anything to do at all, did he? I've, I'm trying. I'm actually now trying to remember what Ryan was doing. He was basically just kind of running around, hanging, running around after everyone, wasn't he? Really? He had that nice little bit at the very end, talking to Dorothy about when she was asking us every day like this, and he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah so that was a good bit, a, yeah. a bit character moment." But a bit earlier than that, when they were, when he and Graham were looking to ways to defend Wardenclyffe. Right. Uh, he finds a death ray and he goes, death ray? And Graham goes, yeah. And Ryan goes, death ray, yeah. And then he points it right at Graham and Graham kind of goes, <laughs> pushes it aside. I thought that was, again, a good, <laughs> yeah. good bit. But it, those two are mainly there for uh, comic relief. Ryan, more than anything. But right. uh, Graham had some perceptive uh, observations on Edison, how he was in it there only pays attention to people when he thinks he can make a buck off them and... yeah about his yeah about his supervisor in the bus depot mm-hmm. not quite sure how a bus depot supervisor would be able to make a, a, a buck off a supervisor but anyway i mean i get his idea and i, I love the i love the hey acdc um <laughs> line as well which yeah. is pretty that was pretty funny yeah yeah well i think for people or kids especially or uh big kids like myself Us. i can now clearly associate alternating current with tesla and direct current with edison i uh, know yeah i think it will imprint and stick with me until until this episode it's it was kind of which one was which and i Ooh, think this who's... will have it stick yeah exactly and that's good for kids to know because that's an important thing you know mm-hmm. um alone knowing about electrical current i think is an important part of learning um i i really hope they keep on kind of developing graham as being you know the the kind of wisecracking, kind of quipping companion, which I think really, <laughs> really suits uh, Bradley Walsh's, you know, delivery mm-hmm. and kind of acting style. That's I, uh, that's great, and I like that very much. I, I was laughing when he called it the Slimerian or the Slimerian laser blaster. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the doctor corrects him, but he's go- he goes to... Yaz, don't be daft. How's Edison's man going to get their hands on a Slimerian laser blaster? Slimerian. <laughs> so what, what What do we think of the space scorpions having, like, Silurian laser blasters? How did they get hold of something like that? Dinosaurs in a spaceship, I'm guessing. They, I guess. They, hmm. You know, the Silurians did have uh, spaceships out there to escape the asteroids if uh, the Chibnold canon is to believe so that's that, true that okay. would be right. it's a pretty cool gun so yeah 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 i guess okay yeah all right 
early on, I just had a brief uh, glimmer or hope that we would see rutans with the electricity and then the shaped uh, uh, body yeah. inhabiting. Uh, so the scorpions, well realized, but uh... yeah, I mean they really were monsters of the week, and I think I mean I've said this before. I often think that there's such a deep bench of awesome monsters in Doctor Who that rather right. than kind of generically invent like another evil monster of some kind, just use a monster that we've got already. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's plenty of them. There's plenty of monsters of the week. They can all. They don't all have to like have a, a you know some backstory. Have it be the Rutans, and you know, can also change their appearance, mm -hmm. like the like the space scorpions can do. And I don't know instead of having a, a Silurian blaster, give them a Santarian blaster or something. <laughs> do that. So, but I mean, whatever. I mean, it's it's, it's fine. And I, I, you know, I think they were very re well realized. I mean, mm -hmm. in my own head canon, they're related to the Ragnos. Yeah, because they kind of look like they're related to the Ragnos. You know, because their their leader is basically looks like a, queen, a bit like a human, right. yep. and the rest of them look like evil evil space scorpions. Mm -hmm. um, I thought Angie um, did an excellent job yep, as yep. the leader Angeli of Angeli Mohindra. Yeah, as the leader of the space scorpions. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to call them space scorpions. I can't remember what their name is. Skithra, whatever Skithra. that is. Skithra, <laughs> yeah, Skithra, um, leader of the Skithra. And I think you know, space scavengers. It's a nice concept. I think we've had space scavengers before. Yeah. Um, we could have used, you know, any number of space scavengers that we know about before. I was getting kind of a, you know, their plan is kind of Rani-esque, obviously. <laughs> Which I, Angeli played uh, in Sarah Jane. She played the Rani. Or she Rani. did, exactly. <laughs> Rani so Chandra. I, so. <laughs> so, again, I often think Monsters of the Week like that, they kind of need a, you know, they kind of need the master or, you know, they need someone or the Rani or someone. They need someone in mm -hmm. charge of them because otherwise they're just twatting about not yeah. really kind of being very useful. I did feel possibly that the fact that when they got zapped, they just kind of went away was yeah. a little bit of a cop out. I mean, I know. They should have gotten blown up. Yeah, they're, they're space scorpions. Like, mm -hmm. they're scum. Just kill them. Well, that's what the doctor did with the Rutans. That was another reason why. <laughs> this to me had a lot of parallels to the horror of Fang Rock in, right. in some ways. You needed the scavengers, and obviously the Rutans weren't scavengers because they wanted to collect Tesla so that your whole alien bit would fall apart. So. It was a fine line to walk and what kind of monsters you would want to put in there. So the Monster of the Week works fine. I don't think we're going to see these monsters again. No. Uh, the costume for the Queen seemed to be a little wanting. It was always the tight close-up shots. It was, yeah. I wasn't sure that... I mean, to me, she should have had like a scorpion body and the upper upper human torso. Yeah. I mean, the advantage, the advantage of using a pre-existing monster like the Rutans is you can destroy one ship. Right. And there's still, we still know there's plenty of other Rutans out there. I mean, right. the disadvantage of having a single monster of the week is the implication is if you destroy the Skithra, the Skithra, you basically you've exterminated them and you, you yeah. know, you're like you like the genocidal doctor, which is generally kind of an evil doctor of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, but still, it's a little, uh, you know, just to get zapped by, you know, Tesla's magic death ray and then just then sort of speed off into space yeah that was it wasn't the kind of ending we were looking for i wasn't, wasn't satisfying looking. ending from wasn't my... wasn't wasn't satisfying it was a bit enough. of a cop-out i thought a, definitely a cop-out definitely a cop -out. because the doctor was seething enough i think she was channeling she was she was doing good seeth yeah yeah she was channeling tenant with the sycorath and I 
think letting them go, the writer didn't really resolve her story that she set out. Absolutely. They should have been, you know, they should Zapped. have been, they should have paid they should have paid to paid mm-hmm. for their for their aggression. Yeah, she and... she said it was, she's way past giving him a chance and all that stuff and then just to have him kind of zip out that and I thought their engines were broken too on their spaceships. That's why they needed Tesla there to fix them. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that's a minor quibble. Yeah. Minor quibble. Yeah. Big step up from last yeah, week. I definitely. thought the writing again, I, I'll I'll keep going back to that. I thought the writing was much better than last week and much tighter. Uh, there's a bit of messaging in there, like don't give up on your dreams, whatever. That was kind of like the final message. Uh, and then Tesla saying, well, let them talk. The presence is there. I work for the future. And But then I keep going back to the, the humor with the bit where Graham saying, don't worry, this ain't our first rodeo. And Ryan undercutting right. and saying, We've never been to a rodeo. We've never been to a rodeo. <laughs> Graham, you're not helping. <laughs> yeah, and I really do like that kind of the kind of literalness of Ryan, which mm-hmm. I think is again a nice counterpoint with kind of Graham's sort of, you know, sassy wisecrackingness. Right. Just another just minor point about Ryan. Again, his dyspraxia was magically overcome. It made well, a it cameo appearance. It, it did made make a, cameo a cameo appearance. appearance. It did make a cameo <laughs> appearance. But it only really makes an appearance when it needs to not happen, if you see what I mean. Mm. It's like, no, yes, of course you can jump between two moving rail cars, which right. is something I would have trouble doing. Um, <laughs> and I am not dyspraxic, I don't think. Anyway, I would be like, nah, I'm not I'm not doing that, man. I'm gonna stay here with the with the red eyed Silurian gun gun woman. I'm not I'm not doing that. <laughs> um but you know, anyway, Ryan was like, No, I I will overcome my disability mm-hmm. quickly. Um, yeah. yeah, from what I've read, Chimlo wanted to include it because one of his nephews has dyspraxia. Oh, really? And he wanted to make you know make it more known so people would know it is. But it doesn't seem like he he is doing it any favors at all because it's such a hot mess of <laughs> inconsistency. <laughs> it's, it seems to be. Yeah, I mean, if anyone does have dyspraxia, I'm sure this isn't helping them. If you see what I mean, because it's yeah. like. Yeah, not just, helping. Just, just climb up that ladder, you dyspraxic person. It right. appears to be quite easy for you to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anyway. Mm. Yeah. Something else that was really getting me excited about this, and I really enjoyed this episode. You know, it's got all of yeah. the faults that we are expecting, which is fine. But, you know, it was a fun, it was a fun, well done episode. It was great. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that was kind of exciting me is... The fact that the Doctor is kind of back as a scientist and as an inventor. Mm -hmm. And obviously anyone who's listened to this podcast will realize I'm a big fan of the Pertwee era. Right. Where, you know, the Doctor is a tinkerer and Mm -hmm. a scientist. He's also, I'm a scientist, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm going to fix the thing. And I'm always trying to fix my dematerialization circuit. Right, right. Wheel the TARDIS console out. And I'm trying to fix that as well. And I, I really like that the Doctor is no longer a kind of matinee adventurer matinee <laughs> idle adventurer right. as he was under rtd and moffat and actually this this doctor's a real scientist mm-hmm. and a real engineer and you know she's pulling the guts out of the bottom of the tardis and mm-hmm. you know fixing stuff right and i don't think we've had that for a long time as much as i like nah, no. you know tenant mm-hmm. and matt smith you know they weren't scientists right they were boyish adventurers. And right. I think, you know, RTD kind of, you know, his genius of reinventing Doctor Who is like, 
Doctor Who is about having an adventure. Right. I would really like to see this Doctor be, and it's also about being a scientist and fixing things mm-hmm. and putting my goggles on and whipping out my sonic screwdriver, not just to like take tricorder style readings of things, but actually fixing stuff. Yeah, and her science bit had some of the good lines in in the program where she's yeah. in Edison's chemical lab and she says, ammonia nitrate, bit of green stuff, where's your zinc? And then Edison's going, have you lost your mind? Uh, and then she goes, ah, now thinking like a scientist or just earlier when she was bonding with Tesla, uh, she was doing a reading on that orb and she right. shakes the sonic and it makes a funny little sound. Then Tesla goes, is this your own design? And the doctor's bragging, you know, yeah, I made it, mostly out of spoons. And then they click. Tesla goes, you're an inventor. And the doctor says, I have my moments. And then they get into it. So it reinforces that Pertwee trait of uh, being the scientist, being the inventor, that I think really works well for Whitaker's character of the doctor. Yeah, it really does. And I think she's the only doctor for the over the past decade and a half or so mm-hmm. who actually we can imagine would be actually really genuinely excited to meet Nikola Tesla. I mean, I yeah. think the other doctors would have kind of feigned excitement because they mm-hmm. have to, because that's the plot. Right. But I, I think this doctor actually really would be interested to meet Nikola Tesla. Um, and in some ways, you know, the, maybe the reason why the doctor has not met Nikola Tesla in kind of recent doctor history is because the doctors have been like, oh, I don't really care. It's just right. like some kind of inventor guy. Right. Whatever. Mm-hmm. The, this doctor, I think, would really be interested to meet mm-hmm. someone like that. And you really get that from, from Jodie's performance, which I yeah. think is great. Yeah, Capaldi would have been more interested in meeting Hendrix, for example, than Yeah, Tesla. yeah, yeah. I mean, Capaldi never gave any impression that he was at all interested in being some kind of scientist. Hmm. He was interested in being cool mm-hmm. and being the doctor, which is, you know, a part of being cool. Mm-hmm. And I think this doctor is, is is a lot more interested in being kind of a, more of a kind of a, you know, a nerd and not just like a sexy nerd like Matt Smith. <laughs> right. But like an actual nerd. Like right. I'm really, really interested. I mean, she's the kind of doctor who would have said, you know what, that those aren't real those aren't real American train cars because there's bumpers on them. Right. Take them back. <laughs> Change them. It's mm. not right. Anyway, so, mm. yeah. So, in context in the season, I was thinking how this fits, especially how this plays off of Orphan 55, where she does give the big speech at the end about going back, I guess, in retrospective to Orphan 55 and dealing with climate change, etc. Right. There is only a few lines uh, that she said in this that I think would even help tie that together. And one was when she was talking to Tesla, uh, saying change in the world takes time. You have to be patient. Right. Which may or may not undermine the message that you got to do something about climate change like now. Right. I'm not sure how well as a uh, thematic continuity of the season that orphan 55 and night of terror work back to back uh no i mean i think i think you're right i mean they don't work at all because you know if tesla is all about the future well it's the future that's knackered the planet so you know if the doctor (laughs) was really interested in kind of helping us save the planet she would have assassinated nikola tesla and thomas edison um, you or know, got them into solar power, or some, or, or got them but, into solar power. You know, like with like she did with the Morestrians. You know, they mm-hmm. in the in Planet of Evil of I don't know, right, of like right. I don't know, 
kill John Paul Getty so he stopped like developing oil or something I don't know so yeah I think you're right there there is kind of a mismatch I do feel that that orphan 55 speech was a real it's re it's a real like you know and a Merry Christmas to all you at home <laughs> thing it was really yeah. the doctor stepping out of the screen and addressing us directly as Jodie Whittaker rather than um rather than the doctor which mm -hmm. I, you know which is fine and I you know there is a climate crisis going on and you know hammering that home is probably a good thing to do i don't really see it as a as a as a kind of an in-universe doctor i don't think the doctor thinks that really because the doctor takes the long view and mm -hmm. the long view is tom baker in arc of space saying right. you know indomitable species right. always wins i don't know, I can't do the speech off right. but you know what i mean mm -hmm. like it, it always works out for the human race right right yeah this is a good standalone episode, and that's one of the things I think what really I latched onto it is there's no sign of the master. There's no big arc on this. This would have fit, I think, really pretty well last season, even better than uh, some of the other stories. But then when you look at it in the continuum of this season with the Doctor wiping Nora Khan and Ada Lovelace's memory... Right. And then letting uh, Dorothy, Thomas, and Nicola all walk free with the visions of the TARDIS and uh, aliens in the future. It's it's a little arbitrary on when she wipes memories and when she doesn't. And I, I don't mind lack of consistency through eras or even seasons, but... For this showrunner, for having that in episode two, and now we're in episode four, just one episode removed between the two right. of them, there seems to be a disconnect, and there doesn't seem to be this executive producer with a vision on how he wants to have this doctor portrayed. Yeah, and I think if there are any candidates for like having their, their minds wiped, it would have been these two, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of confusing me. I was like, hang on, are they going to just leave this? Um, but anyway, yeah. And they did. So, yeah. yeah, and they did. So, I mean, I guess one can imagine Nikola Tesla, you know, having knowledge of the TARDIS and, you know, amazing future technology and everyone just laughing at him like right. they did all the time. Thomas Edison would be like, okay, right. I'm going to invent a TARDIS now and I'm going to get some people and we're going to get that done because I know this thing exists. Right. Um, I can't imagine Thomas Edison letting that go. I mean, he would have started, you know, Torchwood unit, uh, whatever, right. you know, he'd have been right on that. Yeah. They did try to address it with Graham saying, don't get any funny ideas and uh, everyone will think you're crazy like Tesla if you try to we'll do anything and, about it. It's all on the QT. You up. Yeah. But it was a little bit of a stretch of the credulity for me. Yeah. The historical Edison, and even the Edison in this episode, isn't the kind of guy who's going to be intimidated by Graham, basically. <laughs> um, no. He's like, fine, whatever you say, like, weird future man. Um, right. You're weird from the future. I'm going to invent you now. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think, you know, as you said, with a, just a little bit of script editing and some kind of overall... You know, showrunnering, okay, we wipe people's mind. You know, I, I, I said they should have wiped Edison's brain somehow. I don't know. Maybe there would have been because of some psychic feedback from the Skithra or something would have like wiped his brain. <laughs> you know, they could have, they could have, they could have, you know, clued that in in some way. Easily. Right. Easily. Yeah. Some, some way. Uh, yeah. I think 
and either that or not introduce it in episode two of the series and don't wipe Noor or Ada's memory. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, that would have also, that would have made Tesla a far more tragic figure. You know, then he would have been even more this kind of, you know, prophet unheeded in his own country kind of person because he, you know, he would have actually 100% seen the future and still no one believed him. Um, right. But, you know, I, yeah, they just kind of missed a trick with that. A little bit fast and loose with New York geography, going from, what, Niagara Falls, New York City, Long Island, all kind of... <laughs> all kind of one big jumble it 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 took the second viewing for me to realize wait a minute they're they're traveling all over new york state rather than just in one area well we already know that they can fly from like san francisco to essex with a plane that's got its <laughs> nose blown off um, sure why not in about 10 minutes so you know yeah it's okay. fine it's fine. Yeah. It's all good, all right. basically. It's and TV it, geography. And no one knows. I mean, this is a show for British people. I don't know. How you know, how big is New York? Big. It's, it's the, size of, the size of Essex, isn't it? You can, you can walk <laughs> across it in an afternoon. Um, so, you know, yeah. No one uh, cares. Yeah. Really. Nobody mm-hmm. cares. <laughs> nobody cares or knows which which again i think which which i think is weird about my you know about the the empire state thing is like it would be fine to include the empire state building in a plate that's essentially from 1903 if 30 seconds later someone hadn't said it's not been built yet right so i think if you are going to not bother with historical continuity the main thing that you don't do is call attention to it so again i think i was happy with new york state being just really really small and kind of geographically <laughs> to get around because nobody kind of mentioned um right. that they'd actually managed to get from niagara falls to manhattan in 10 minutes you know right i guess edison did say they went halfway across new york in the tardis uh, from new york city to wardenclyffe from tesla's lab so i guess they did try to address it i think then it's not so much the writing in this, it's the actual production that fell short. The script, I think, was probably pretty solid. The main problems are with production. Right, right. Which is show running. Come on, Chibnall. You know, we're paying you enough money, public money being paid, <laughs> BBC license fair money going into your giant bank account. Do your job, mate. Hmm. I'm just teasing, basically. He's not listening to our podcast, so he's fine. He's not? He's not. Jim. <laughs> I thought he was our listener. <laughs> he's like frantically taking notes, frantically taking notes for season uh, season 13. Hmm. Um, what do you think of the next time trailer? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, oh, ooh, well, I, ooh, spoilers. I've, 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 I've stopped. <laughs> so what, what is next time? There's well, there's Jadoon basically ah. walking around Gloucester, which is weird because I actually know Gloucester quite well. It's like, oh blimey, there they go walking past the cathedral, going to Greg's, ordering a pasty, um, <laughs> like doing some things in Gloucester. That's going to be weird because, as far as I can see, like they're in the middle of Gloucester, like during the mm-hmm. day walking about and it's space rhinos so i don't know how they're going to work with that what do you think is a jadoon for gloucester glowstore glowstore i i don't know what have you been following your twitter but like I, is it the black guardian who knows there's like hmm. there's some creepy stuff the doctor is on a lighthouse there's a really scary looking old man who i recognize he's an actor from somewhere but i can't be bothered to find out who it is 
so yeah, I'd, I I was kind of ooh, maybe this is all going to be really 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 kind of good and exciting. So I'm not getting my hopes up, mm. but you know, it'll be nice to see the Jidun again. I think. Yeah, the Jidun are humorous. Um, I'm concerned about the the they're in Gloucester aspect because they're not <laughs> they're not uh, what's the word? They're space policemen, and you know the joke is is they're like real policemen. Is like they don't really care. Mm-hmm. And they just stomp around like looking important. So they're not going to be hiding. They're not going to be cloaked. They don't disguise themselves as something else. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering how the good citizens of Gloucester are going to react to a bunch of Dadoon wandering around. Hmm. Do you think it's is it set contemporarily? It looks like contemporary Gloucester to me. Certainly maybe, outside the cathedral. Yeah. M- maybe they are going to blame it on the EU. Blame it on the EU. It's French people. Look. <laughs> We always knew French people looked like rhinoceroses. And here's the proof. Um, yeah, maybe they will. Maybe they will. It's Bulgarians. Look at those Bulgarians in their goth kilts and big boots. Anyway, so who knows? Who wasn't knows? There, wasn't there a French novel about people turning into rhinoceroses? I think it's called The Rhinoceros. Yeah. Who, who wrote that? Is uh, that? Ionesco, I believe. And I think Was it's it? a play. Yeah. Maybe it's a, a staging of that. Well, of course, all of our, all of our, all of just to riff off the kind of animal mistake thing. I mean, all of our British listeners will know the good citizens of Hartlepool during the Napoleonic Wars um, lynched a monkey, thinking it was a Frenchman. <laughs> I think that's where Neil Perryman lives. Oh, oh really? Space okay. Lane. <laughs> Well, Hart- Hart- Hartlepool isn't exactly, you know, the most civilized part of the UK. <laughs> and certainly 200 years ago, it definitely wasn't the most civilized part of the UK. And mm-hmm. apparently a monkey got off a ship because it was a port and like mm-hmm. there, there was a ship's monkey. And the citizens of Hartlepool freaked out and said, it's a Frenchman, it's a Frenchman. Um, and they captured it and they hung it because they thought it was a Frenchman. Because I guess it was a monkey. And <laughs> that's obviously what French people look like. Or a monkey, but if they try to lynch a Jadoon this time around, I predict it won't go well for them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that no, won't no, end fo, well. No, exactly, does not end well at all. So yeah, I, I, I mean, so I'm wondering how jokey the episode's going to be. Whether mm-hmm. they're going to play it straight, whether they're going to play it as a joke. I don't know. It's going to be fun. As I said, I mean, you know, Gloucester is a town I know a little, a little bit, so it's going to be fun to see what happens. So. I am. I'm guessing that they're going to explain it away by as uh, live telling of uh, what do you say, UNESCO's uh, rhinoceros. I think so. Got to be I think it. That's the cover story that the Jadun are going to be operating under, and they're going to be sticking to it. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, I, I don't know much more. I think this is, this was a good, solid, serviceable, exciting, definitely well directed, pretty well scripted. Well charactered, well acted episode of Doctor Who. Well done. Yep. Good job, everybody. Try and keep it up to this standard. You keep it up to this standard. I'm going to be happy. Good. So on to the Jadoon next week. And Jadoon platoon in the tune. Yes. Thank you for listening to episode 141 of the Metabilis 2. I have been talking with Ben. And I have been talking with David. And... Oh, low flow, blow, so flow, show, low, crow, so, toe, flow, no show, no flow, zo, toe, show, whoa, flow, flow, co. Mo, fo, low, po, topo, no, bo, bo. <laughs> ho, ho. Ho, ho, goodbye.